DLT, a quarter pounder with some cheese filet, a fish, a hamburger, a cheeseburger, a happy meal, McNuggets, tasty golden French fries, regular or larger size of salad, chef or garden, or a chicken salad, oriental, big big breakfast, egg muffin, hot hot cakes and sausage, maybe biscuits, bacon, egg and cheese, sausage, sausage, and welcome to Books the Podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we're booksmen. Yeah. Hey, we were just in talking the 21st about century books even before we were recording. That's how yeah. big a bookworms we are. Yeah, we can't talk about those books on the air. No, because they're smut. They're uh, d- dirty we'd get books. Shut down. We'd, the we'd FCC would, in the would 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 uh, ram our doors in and put us in uh, thought prison. Yeah, man. We'd be just like Lenny Bruce, the funniest man who ever lived. <laughs> Timmy, you've always had a real uh, hair up your butt about Lenny Bruce. Yeah, I don't like Lenny Bruce. Well, it's one of those things where, yeah, you listen to old Lenny Bruce, it's like, oh, this guy was just being vulgar when nobody was being vulgar. He wasn't very yeah, he funny. he was angry all the time, too. Yeah. Who wants to hear that? It is such a weird, uh, you know, I, I'm i not talking about Lenny Bruce because I don't know that much about him here, but uh, uh, it's such a weirdly fine line between... Uh, you know, somebody who is like genuinely innovative and somebody who is just like, ah, nobody, you know, nobody did this for other reasons. <laughs> and this guy happened to do it at the like nobody, nobody was cursing and stuff because it was like, and eh, most audiences don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. And then this guy just happened to do that when like there, there was the beginning of an audience that wanted to see it. And also like, uh, Lenny Bruce, I don't know, like comedy mm-hmm. in general, like no comedy from th- that time period is actually funny now, but like no comedy from like 1995 is is funny now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, comedy is such a weird, uh, is probably like the fastest evolving art form, right? Yeah. Especially, yeah. it's not like, man, you got to read this book from 1132. It is hilarious. <laughs> Whereas, like, you could read, I mean, it's not that old, but you could read an old Shakespearean play. I mean, some people will be like, oh, those are really funny. No, they're not. Yeah, but, they're like, not but, like, they're fine. They're entertaining, sure. And especially, you know, as somebody that, uh, you know, created a lot of the, the things we take for granted now in stories. Uh, it's interesting, uh, but yeah, uh, comedy it sucks that Shakespeare's so revered. Why for his work? Because they ask all these questions about like characters in the book on Jeopardy or in the play. <laughs> so it's just it's like, Jeopardy. It's just like now I gotta know this one guy from this one story that this one guy wrote. Was it in like? All the time, there's just gonna be entire categories about it. Well, plays this one jerk wrote. I have to know who Mercutio is. I know me and you have talked about this, and I and I think that you mentioned it. It it comes specifically from Jeopardy, like Greek and Roman mythology. Oh God, we're just like I, and that's always a thing on Jeopardy, and it's like I don't think they really like went over this much in school. No, and who cares? And yeah. Like, there's mythology and like religious beliefs and stuff all over the world. Why do we, why do we focus on these two well, Greeks and the Romans? I mean, for like, I think it's, 
for religions that currently exist, I understand more of the like, yeah, have an understanding of what, what the stories are in different religions. But yeah, nobody's like a practicing, uh, you know, ancient Roman uh, be, praying to Zeus and stuff. Yeah, and like I assume, like the Mayans also had like mythology and stuff, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, well, why aren't we? Why aren't we asking about them? And I'm not saying that these aren't very interesting topics f- to explore. I just think it's weird that most people are assumed to have a general knowledge of like Greek and Roman mythology. Yeah, I think they're boring as hell. They're they're not necessarily, but you know, I I I don't think that they're good enough, interesting enough that it's like, hey, hey these are stories everybody's gotta know about the time Zeus raped a goose or something. Rhymes. That's where we get the name <laughs> Goose. <laughs> well, presumably it already it already had a name. Yeah. Anyway, Tom, I got a. Book it was somebody disguised as a goose. I think was was what it was. Was that a real thing? Yeah, boy, Tim. No wonder you're so bad at Jeopardy. I know it sucks. I can't go on Jeopardy. If if they uh, you know put up a an answer and they were like the animal that Zeus raped, you would know what is a goose. Yeah, and I'd be like, it can't be goose because that rhymes with the Zeus, and that'd be too silly. <laughs> Right, and one thing Jeopardy avoids with, at all costs is silliness. You know what they allowed? Um, uh, Ken Jennings is is the guest host right yeah, now. Yeah, the interim uh, host. Um, and I feel like they're going. He especially is going far out of his way, and the producers to like really keep it um, as. Uh, faithful to the Alex Trebek version right. as as possible. Then in his third episode, he's doing the uh, the interviews with the contestants, mm-hmm. and the the guy uh, the first guy he interviewed he starts doing prop comedy. <laughs> well, that's something Alex Trebek would never do. Friggin' uh, Al, uh, Ken Jennings is talking to the first guy, who's this doofy guy. He Alec, wound up with like Alec Trebek. Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. Yes, that's what I said, but then I thought it was the other one. I no. I hate that name. Alex. I hate both. I just never know. Same thing with Alec Baldwin. I always second guess myself. Like, no, it's Alex Baldwin. Which it so actually is, but. It's neither here nor there. Ken Jennings was talking to this doof, this this contestant, Ben Jennings. Tom, are you? Or did you get really drunk in the last a, two minutes? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? I didn't see you drink anything. <laughs> Do you have an IV set up? <laughs> I've been huffing gas. Um, you know, he's interviewing the first contestant, and the uh-huh. contestant goes like. Oh yeah, and his his anecdote was that one time he was diagnosed with a flu um, that uh, only horses get. <laughs> and first of all, in COVID times, like that's yeah, that's an alarming on the anecdote. Flu stories. <laughs> yeah, oh, I could have been the new animal. patient zero. Anyway, so Ken Jennings made like a, a typical like, oh, that's crazy. Are you sure? And he's like, uh, how did that happen? 
And then the guy holds up his hands. And, and he hooves? Has, he had hooves on his hands. Uh. Um, the guy brought props and they let him do this. And I was just like, this is a bad decision for the third yeah, show. They should, they should have had security take him off. I mean, what if he that, had the, okay the answers the written in there? You can't get, you can't bring uh, fake hooves onto the set without yeah. the producers knowing. Also, it's like not a very funny joke. <laughs> no. Because then it's like, oh, was that all? Did you not get a horse yeah. flu? Do you, did you just buy these horse hoofs and you wanted uh, an excuse to show them off on Jeopardy? <laughs> and, where, uh, where's we the line? Yeah. You know, where do we where do we put an end to this? I would also say, I mean, you know, Ken Jennings, whatever, he's an interim host. Yeah, I get like you don't well, I I get what you're saying, like don't do prop comedy because that's not a thing on Jeopardy. But I would get the like just keep things the same. But I would say that I think uh if there's a new host they should not try and emulate him. They should try and kind of do something a yeah. little unique. Just because yeah, I'm thinking about how, like, uh, you know, Trevor Noah taking over uh, The Daily Show. And, like, they, like, went. I remember, like, the posters being, like, new host, same show. Like, they went either way. Like, same set, same graphics, same everything. It's like, nah, if you got a new host, you got to let them, like, put some of their own flavor into this thing. Yeah, but it, I think you have to, uh, it has to be, if it's too jarring, yeah. you give oh, of a course. loyal audience a jumping off point to go somewhere else. Yeah, no, so I'm not saying they should. ease them into it. Uh, it's like Drew Carey on The Price is Right. Yeah. They made a lot of changes to The Price is Right, but they did it gradually. Right. So I'm all for... A gradual change. Yeah. I mean, if the first episode's like, welcome to Jeopardy, and now it's wacky. Yeah. Then people hey, are. Welcome to Jeopardy. Fuck you. That's right. Wow. We say fuck you now at the beginning. <laughs> and then. We're mean. It's a mean show. <laughs> welcome to mean Jeopardy. <laughs> Wrong answer, stupid. I was going to say, is that your final answer, dick? But uh, that's, that's a different show. Different entirely. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom, I read a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I ask you a quick question? Because it's still, uh, we can still say like, oh, it's the new year. So let's, Yeah, let's... sure. Do you participate in any of the Goodreads or otherwise kind of uh, goals or challenges for a number of books that you're going to read in any given year? No, just because I think, I don't know, I think that's like not the point of reading. Yeah, it's not a numbers game, especially because books are all different lengths. Well, I was going to say books are all different lengths and they're all different uh, uh, reading speeds. Mm. Uh, You know, I've read very difficult books that I've loved. I've read very difficult books that I hated. I've read quick reads that I've loved and quick reads that I've hated. Not all books were created equal. Right. You can't just say, I'm going to read 50 books this year, and then, uh, look, I can read uh, Garfield Takes the Cake 50 <laughs> times. Exactly. And then, 
What are you gonna have? Uh, you get an award for that? You get a badge? I, I mean, it also just reminds me too much of the Pizza Hut reading uh, awards that we would get as kids. And that's a bad thing in your mind? No, it's just like I don't need a reward to read anymore. I don't need like incentive. Reading uh, is its own reward. It is. I mean, if you're reading something you like and if you're reading for pleasure then it should be something pleasurable to read i yeah i just don't and also like my my to be read pile is always so long to begin with that it's like i don't need to read things that i don't that i'm not going to enjoy reading that i'm going to have to like plow through except for this podcast i'm gonna have to like plow through reading but again perfect example you know the babysitters club books were the hardest books that i've had to read for this podcast like the books that i just constantly got distracted and was like falling asleep and couldn't focus on you'd make a terrible teenage girl tom i've always said that um do you have this? I'll, I have this with my to read pile. Mm-hmm. It's full of books that I want to have read, <laughs> right? But I don't necessarily want to like read them. Um, Sit there and actually friggin' like yeah. Read. I I have some of those in my to be read pile, but they're like they're always at the back, and in my mind, yeah. I know I'm never gonna read them, <laughs> or like it, it's gonna take something external for me to like be like you know what yeah yeah they're they're you know they're they're making a new beowulf so i better read beowulf i've read beowulf i don't need to read beowulf again and i've seen the the movies yeah like i i have this book that's been on my like night table Mm -hmm. for three apartments now and it's like i really do want to understand what exactly happened in the 2008 financial crisis. <laughs> right. But every time I've started reading this book, I've fallen asleep immediately. Yeah. Um, but I want to know all the information that's in there. It, same, I can't get it out. Tim, I'm reading this. I'm still, I'm almost, almost done reading finally this uh this book by tom DeLong about ufos <laughs> okay and like i've read three or four books while i've read this book <laughs> because it's it's an area that's like really interesting to me and it's written uh very competently but it's like way too slowly paced and way too just drawn out that's like I need somebody to go in here and cut another hundred pages out of this. Uh, even though it's something I'm very interested in. And it's just like, I'll, I just go and read another book for a week and then go back to it. Yeah. Nobody edits Tom DeLong. Well, I mean, it was also like a ghost writer. I'm sure Tom DeLong only contributed like, yeah, man. And then a ghost wrote a book about aliens. Yeah, can you imagine something scarier than that? Sheesh. Tom, I read a book, uh, or a a quarter of a book. Grinding It Out. Grinding It Out by Raymond J. Kroc. He's a crock of shit, if you ask me. He used this joke. (laughs) Hey, if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, you'll hear the same joke on this week's episode of the complete guide to everything our other podcasts um yeah 
But if you ask me, it's a real crock of shit. Um, he's a bad guy. Yeah. He, uh, look. This yeah, book. he was the Hamburglar's father. No, and he only mentions friggin' Ronald McDonald in, in, in passing. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that. <laughs> right. This book is... Like I understand how these these books work, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's gonna like it's gonna. Be I read I read the page on the left, I read the page on the right, and I turn the page. Exactly. Anyway, he he uses this to like settle a lot of scores. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, that's what an autobiography is for. If I ever write an autobiography, that's all it's going to be about. Is <laughs> it mostly about me? <laughs> yep, it's going to be like. <laughs> Taking me down a few pegs. Though he was slow-witted, I could see potential in him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is his whole thing is like, this is a guy I gave a chance. I made him rich, yeah. and then he fucking started to suck. So fuck him. That, that's scream. gonna be what my book's gonna be about. You. It's gonna be like I found him eating out of a trash can. He's. He spent these chapters talking about this guy, Clem Bohr. Um, <laughs> uh, if I had a guy named Clem Bohr in my life, I'd, yeah. <laughs> there'd be a lot about him in my book. B-O-H-R. Um, but Clem Bohr is a cool name. And like, he's like, all, oh, yeah, that Clem also Bohr. sounds like uh, like one of Shredder's like, henchmen. Clem Bohr. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was in business and he he with with Ray Kroc. I think he franchised a few McDonald's um, or something. I don't know. His name I, comes I, up in the most boring passages in the book. I was gonna say said, that's kind of the case with uh, you know the Papa John book. That it seems like a lot of these uh, fast food moguls. It's like when they're starting up, it's like whoever near them that has access to capital. It's like, oh, that person just started opening franchises, which yeah. makes sense. Like if you started a new restaurant chain and you had lines around the block and you were like, I want a franchise. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll run a franchise. Yeah. Um, I'll be well, your Clem Bohr. Yeah, well, Clem Bohr eventually, I think, screwed him. And um, that's what I'm sure you would I would do to you. I know, I know you would. The <laughs> second that you can, you haven't had the opportunity yet. Um, and, uh, you know, you stabbed him in the back or something. Now Clem Bohr is, is the worst guy that, that Ray Kroc's ever met. And then he claims he doesn't remember what happened to Clem Bohr. He's like, oh, he's out of my life and I have no idea. That, says, I was going to say, that's another thing about the Papa John book. Anything where it's like, I don't remember. It's like something horrible. You did something horrible to this person. Well, this is the thing. I don't remember what happened to Clem Bohr. It seems to me that he went into the hamburger business in competition with me and lost his shirt. Mm. Do, you, do you know that? Like that, you, that seems It seems to me, to me. You would know that. You would know if that actually It seems to me happened. that he lost his shirt and then I sued him uh, till bankruptcy and he put a gun in his mouth and killed himself. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Who's to say? Who, who can remember? Who cares about that guy anyway? Yeah. Um, this guy, uh, he needed to get money. 
um, for something. He needed like three hundred thousand dollars for something. There, this book is scheme after scheme that pay <laughs> off, but they're all like such complicated land deals and leasing and, and things. Yeah, and constantly needing to to raise money, so which is so weird had. because then, like you know, McDonald's became like the face of corporate, just like you know, corporate power. Like not having to re- not having to rely on schemes, having to be like, hey, if we put toys in children's meals, <laughs> then <laughs> will w- children will beg their parents to come here, which I guess is a scheme. Just like a, a they they graduate to like really big time, big big sky thinking schemes. Yeah, I mean, the more powerful you get, the the simpler the schemes can be. Yeah, you, you're you're you don't yeah. They're not to... so convoluted. It's like, oh yeah, and yeah. people will know what we're doing, but fuck them, they're not going to be yeah. able to do anything about it. And we already have all the like, this was before they had restaurants in you know ten miles from anywhere in America. Yeah. Um. So once you have that infrastructure built up, then it's like start putting the toys in the meals, and then you know people yeah. and and, and run run the commercials during cartoons, and it'll take Congress ten years before they come up with a law to stop us from doing that. Um, he seeks money from this guy Harry Blanchard, who married a widow who owned a big brewery, so nice. they got a lot of his money. Um, I do think it's funny that it's just like, I know this guy, he married a widow, a rich lady, so I immediately went and found him and borrowed money from him. I mean, if you're going to borrow money, especially with the idea of like, I might not pay this back, that's a good place to borrow money. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't feel, you wouldn't feel guilt about it. You'd be like, ah, this wasn't really your money to begin with, was it? Yeah, I know. It's the widow's money. He's taking the <laughs> but, widow's money. But by the time, you know, the bill comes to collect, she's long gone. She's gone? Yeah, she's probably dead. How old she's was this widow? Heaven reunited? Yeah, reunited with the, the man who widowed her. Yeah, she's doing fine. And she's got no use for that money, so you might as well have built a few McDonald's with it. Maybe it was Clem Boer's widow. <laughs> Maybe. Well... Do we know Clembor is dead at this point? <laughs> no, Clembor <laughs> hasn't died. That was okay. a, that was a, that was a, a figment of your imagination. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do we know Clembor is dead at this point? <laughs> As if that's going to be the twist. I mean, the I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he's dead by now. Yeah. Man, if Clem Bohr is still alive, Jesus if Christ. anybody involved in the, <laughs> somebody's got to take him out. If anybody involved in the early days of McDonald's is still alive, they've never had a single bite of the food they make. <laughs> um, they grew really quickly. You know, hundreds of restaurants are opening up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hired a regular parade of people in the late fifties. We sold them a dream and paid them as little as possible. Nice. It's still the McDonald's yeah. dream today. Yeah. Um, but the corporate people got a lot of stock and they all became rich. So they yeah. weren't making a lot of money and they never saw their families. But eventually they all <laughs> But out. on their deathbeds, they got to marry some scheming con man who <laughs> <laughs> would take their money and give it to some other con man. Um, he claims that he has made more, he has made millionaires of more men than any person in history. 
Actually, he says that many people are saying that about him, oh, and the, that the he tell- doesn't the- know if that's true. Yeah, the, the now we know in 2021 the tell of a liar. <laughs> um, I'd rather say I gave a lot of men the opportunity to p- become millionaires. They did it themselves. I merely provided the means. <sighs> wow, Although, what a like, humble man he is. <laughs> but all he talks about is how he made, like, naming specific people, how he made them rich, and then how they disappointed them. That's what the rest of the book is about. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say I'm uh, the smartest man who's ever lived, but uh, I say that I just uh, merely saw the smarts of the people who say I'm the smartest man who's ever lived. Yeah, that's something the smartest man who ever lived would actually say, though. <laughs> it's so. true. Um, and so also, he, uh, like, that kind of brag, too, it's, he would be 100% within his rights to say, I'm... I am definitely uh, one of the, you know, one of the people throughout history who's made more millionaires than anybody. But to like be like, I am the. Well, no, he he hedges it. He's very. He says a lot of people. Yeah, but say I'm that saying I you am, could not. And hedge I don't it. know about all that. But you could I will not say hedge it and it's just say. True. You could not hedge it and just say, "Oh, I no, I'm I'm." confident that i'm uh i've made more millionaires than almost anyone yeah. and that's all and that's certainly anyone to brag that I about yeah. yeah i made a, a lot of people millionaires tim that's still pretty impressive i don't i don't know if i've even made anyone a millionaire to be honest with you i have just really? by my, my beauty oh uh i let people take pictures of me and sell them oh i've you're back on doing that? Yeah. I'm no. making millionaires oh. out of people. Tim. Tom, I've you're told just you. jealous no. that you weren't born with the natural that, beauty. Tim, that guy doesn't that have your... blessed with. That photographer doesn't have your best interest in mind, Tim. He's a millionaire, so... Yeah. Um, oh, and, you know, he has some unorthodox poses he likes me to do. So Ray Kroc is uh, based in Chicago. He goes out to California where the um, the McDonald's, First McDonald's brothers. Is, yeah, yeah. But he wants to go and check out some of the other ones. Some of the uh, restaurants, the McDonald's out there, have uh, added pizza, burritos, oh, and enchiladas. Boy, and he's just like, guys, we're hamburgers, and we're hamburger. And then he orders a hamburger from one of these pizza or, or burrito mcdonald's and he's like this hamburger shit you yeah get rid of the pizza get rid of this yeah so where are we a taco bell that doesn't even exist yet it might exist at the at that point i think taco bell came along in the 60s okay um all right so and now now there's this whole uh uh part about uh how honest a man he is (laughs) um 
and how many times people are like, you should put spies into your competition uh, and like find out because they're doing that to you. Yeah. He's like, oh, I would never do any of that kind of stuff. Oh, you oh, can find I, anything you know about your competition by looking at his garbage, and I'm not above <laughs> doing that. And like, then he talks about all this time that all the times that he went to these competitions, garbage, and that's what Papa John did. Yeah, these guys are garbage pickers, right? But they're honest men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, he he wants to take credit for things for being an upstanding citizen and, and good man, and then immediately contradicts himself, like, yeah. constantly. Well, way. anyone that says something like, uh, you know, I'm a very honest man. People tried to tell me I should do X, Y, and Z, but I told them, it's like, now, if you're an honest man, then you don't need to list off <laughs> all the various schemes people told you sh- you should do. And the reason why you're listing them off is because you had other problems with those schemes. You were like, <laughs> now spies will get found out or it will be too expensive and not worth. Basically, what, what he just explained, like, why would I pay somebody to go be a spy if I can just climb through their garbage myself? Where yeah. It's like, that doesn't mean you're honest. That just means you're cheap. <laughs> and cheap he is. Um Hey, and cheap Chapter- McDonald's is, except some of those meals are expensive nowadays. Yeah, they're not that cheap these days. No. Tom, when they started, hamburgers were 50, 15 cents. Yeah. I now can't even imagine. A dollar and nine cents? I think probably even more in New York City. But also, yeah. like, you're not going to go there and buy a single hamburger. See, that's the problem with America these days. Yeah. Imagine we all just had, like... A single hamburger and an eight ounce fries and uh, or a small fry and a and a eight or twelve ounce soda, yeah. like God intended. Well, imagine if McDonald's still only made hamburgers and cheeseburgers, so that was all they focused on. How good those would probably be? Yeah, <laughs> when they didn't and also good ha- anyway. Exactly, they're pretty good anyway. But if they didn't also have to be like, oh, also we serve like. A variety of chicken sandwiches and salads that nobody wants, and we have milk, and we have a a, a Mick Cafe where we do different coffee drinks. But you know, the person who's uh, you know taking the fries out of the fryer, they're going to have to step away there to make you a frappuccino. So we have to make everything easy enough that it just takes pressing a different button to do because everyone who works here has to be able to do everything we can't just be like oh we're going to train a few people like how to make really good hamburgers and that's what they're going to do all day Tom you have a lot of opinions I do I, I wish they would invite me to a focus group Art Trigg was the bosom buddy companion of my late 50s. So that means he slept with him? No, he just hired him as his uh, driver, his valet and chauffeur. Oh, yeah. Um, that's Some of my best friends are my chauffeurs. <laughs> yeah, this guy, 
and, and he talks about how how they were like boyhood chums, mm-hmm. um, and he would eat dinner with them every night. He's like, yeah, oh, man, you hired you hired someone to drive you around, and that guy became your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Then he falls in love. Remember, he is uh, he's married. married to this lady Ethel, who he's yeah, who's, horrible to. Yeah, and she's a real um, uh, doubting Thomas about all of his According ideas. According to him, but like, I According don't know. to him, he's she might have like, she might have been asking some like very valid questions that just he didn't know the answers to yet, and her asking is what got him thinking about, like, yeah, how am I going to do X, Y, and Z? But he just got <laughs> mad at her in the moment. Yeah, I mean, mostly she's just like, you're working a lot. Um, we're raising a child together. You're never home. And now you want to go $400,000 in debt. Yeah. Um, in, you know, th- th- he was doing that in like 1942. Where it's just <laughs> like, you want to go $8 billion dollars in debt maybe we should talk about this and he's like ah you got no vision yeah well no wonders kid grew up to be ronald mcdonald yeah kid was screwed um, up so he fell in love with this lady named Joni smith mm. um and uh she was the husband of a franchisee right um i remember this from the movie yeah so you know, whenever, like, she would call him on behalf of her husband sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, were we going to pretend that you hadn't seen the movie yet? No, you're going to watch Hamburger the movie. Yeah, I'm going to watch Hamburger the, the movie because I've already seen The Founder. I don't know if the movie goes into this, though. Um, but essentially, they're both married. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have a lot of chemistry, according to him. Mm-hmm. But then uh, he's just like, well... Nothing like did, was this in the movie? He's like something's got to give here. Like we both have to get divorced and then get together, but like one of us has to do it first, so the other one can be clear to do it and know like okay, yeah, yeah. So he divorces his wife <laughs> and then calls up Joni. He's yeah. like, hey, I divorced my wife. What do you say? And she's like, um, no, I'm not going to divorce my husband. <laughs> Sorry. Man, that that's the kind of thing where you gotta you gotta be like, all right, on the count of three. <laughs> yeah, or just discuss it beforehand. Like I know, oh, they didn't know, even discuss it. No, they he just, they just had real good chemistry. No. I, oh, so they weren't even like there wasn't an affair happening or anything. Even no, oh, I mean, then I'm that's, sure, you know what? Yeah, according to Ray Kroc, there was no no affair going on. But, I mean, even still, if it's an affair that's just, like, you know, uh, like, sleeping together in hotels once every few months or whatever, then it's like, all right, that's not a, like, I'm ready to leave my husband or wife type thing without talking to them. I'm not saying it. I mean, ultimately, like, yeah, if he's, you know, doesn't want to be with his wife and is in love with somebody else, whether that person loves him or not, yeah, you should get a divorce. It's not fair to the other person, but... But if you're getting a divorce just with the idea of marrying that other person, yeah, maybe run it by him. Yeah, or just, you know, be absolutely sure. Anyway, another big thing is happening. Yeah, He wants to end the relationship with the McDonald brothers. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've had enough. 
we had a deal where like they had to approve any changes by certified letter. Yeah. Um, but they've only been giving me verbal approvals. So like every single franchise that we've built has technically violated our agreement, but they yeah. refuse and they're just like, yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah. So, so he's like, at any moment they can come and just like end my whole business. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense just to be like, all right, let me, let me, they're, they're not interested in being business partners, obviously. Like, yeah, let, let me find a way to, like, pay them a lump sum or whatever and yeah. get rid of them. Um, they're a liability. He called Dick McDonald, asked him to name his price. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dick McDonald's like, give me a day or two. And uh, uh, when Ray Kroc heard, he said, he, I dropped the phone my teeth, and everything else. He asked me what the noise was. I told him that it was me jumping out of the 20th floor of the LaSalle Wacker building. They were asking for $2.7 million. Wow. They each wanted to have $1 million after taxes. Okay, so that was that was the amount of thought they put behind it. <laughs> it took them a couple of days. <laughs> I mean, they probably consulted a tax attorney yeah, who yeah. wanted to make sure. Um, oh God. All right. So they had to go borrow this money. Right. And Tom, you have no idea how many paragraphs there are like this <laughs> in, um, the deal we agreed on with the, with, with the money, with the guys that they were borrowing the money from mm-hmm. put a new wrinkle in American financial arrangements. Um, here's how it worked. In return for the $2.7 million in cash from Bristol's group, who were called the 12 Apostles in our records, we were to pay them 0.5% of the gross sales of all McDonald's stores in three periods. In the first period, we would pay 0.4% immediately and put aside 0.1% until the third period. The method of computing how much the 0.4% would go to interest was figured on the basis of 6% of $2.7 million dollars. Whatever remained would go towards retiring the principal. The first period would end when the principal was retired. The second period would be for a length of time equal to the first period, whatever that was. In the second period, we would pay a straight 0.5% of our gross. The third period, then, would be the payment of the deferred 0.1% from the first period. Anytime alone is that complicated it's somebody trying to screw the other person over yeah otherwise it'd be like you know just a straight hey it's this much this much interest we're only going to give you a loan for the amount of money we think you'll be able to pay us back within a certain amount of years but yeah whenever it gets that complicated it's like somebody thinks that they figured out a way to fuck over the other yeah. whether it's the the person loaning or the person borrowing yeah, yeah. so i mean this was ray crock thing and like i can cook the book somehow yeah and i think i mean that's probably helpful if somebody's actually reading this in a course for like an mba right um yeah like i appreciate that he puts out, that stuff outside in. the box loan thinking yeah, but um, I'm not sure exactly who this book is for. And yeah. I think it might be, he might have written it with kind of like business students in mind. That makes sense. I mean, this was written during the 70s? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think in the 70s is probably like, who gives a shit about reading, especially reading the book of, you know, a founder of McDonald's who did not start McDonald's, <laughs> you know, who just started the franchise where it's like, oh, yeah, this guy has no he saw something and recognized it, but he didn't yeah. have these ideas on his own. I mean, but he had the vision to. I mean, th- this is this is uh, capitalism in the twentieth and twenty first century, man. Yeah, but you don't, but, you don't I have mean, to like have the smarts to do that. You oh, have to I'm know not. How to, I'm not saying it's how a, do I profit off of somebody else's ideas? How do I insert myself into this situation? I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but it is. Yeah, but uh, but I could see him. You know, this being written towards yeah uh, business students rather than. Uh, yeah, aficionados of the cuisine. Um, the, at the <laughs> last minute and the, lore. At the last minute of, I mean, there's some good lore in here. So, <laughs> at the last minute, the the McDonald's brothers were like, "Yeah, we want to keep the the original San Bernardino store." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is what Ray Kroc thought. What a goddamn rotten trick. <laughs> I, I mean, needed the income from that store. Ah. Uh, I mean, I was going to say, how many stores did they have at this point? Do you know? Have a ballpark idea? I want to say like 150 maybe. Yeah, so he needed the income from one of those stores? No, he was he was a Fucking yeah. spiteful asshole. Eventually, I opened a McDonald's across the street from that <laughs> store, which they had renamed the Big M, and it ran them out of business. Wow. And a, a man without serious mental problems. Because <laughs> I was going to say, like, if, if, if I were him and they were like, actually, we want to keep the original store, I'd be like, okay, cool. So here's the new offer. <laughs> <laughs> right. that that I'm going to pay you less for for the franchise and you know you'll keep the store which is great because I don't really care about you know one out of 150 stores and I get like you like, especially oh, I did all the because work and you I guys, came up with all these schemes I mean if anything I would think he'd be like cool I don't want you guys involved in this business cuz obviously you're not interested in it. I don't want you to be the problem store that I'm, you know, that we're going to have to constantly be telling, no, you can't do this, this, and this. And you're going to be like, but we started this store. Like, no, cool. Go off. Yeah. Tom, uh, he does these things. They're mental snapshots and it's, they start in chapter 10 for some reason. Okay. Where like the, the the uh, 10 out of well, I think, I think 16 that, chapters that was when he got uh hit by the meteor and got that power <laughs> I, exactly i think if i'm remembering my mcdonald's lore like there will be a break in the action and uh it'll indent and be italicized and it'll say mm-hmm. mental snapshot a thin solemn young man sits next to my desk he's clearly nervous and he'll paint a nice picture mm-hmm. um this one is about uh Luigi Salvinesci. Hey, um, I want to bring out a pizza like, to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, he's like the architect that he oh. brought into the corporation. Well, that explains all, the beautiful Italian architecture that makes up most McDonald's. 
Um, these mental snapshots are all just like stories again self-aggrandizing yeah. of like him helping somebody out like somebody was in dire straits and he saved their career and their life through his vision um he also goes through the origin of hamburger university mm-hmm. which tom is not an accredited university well somebody should look into that it's uh this guy's got a lot in, in common with another uh, businessman who ran a fake <laughs> university. I was going to say, you know, unfortunately, we we just lost probably the only president that could that would have looked into getting Hamburger University accredited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now I don't have much hope. Um, the, the, he made the origin of Hamburger University sound so boring. Well, hopefully, I don't think the movie is going to be that boring. Tom, this guy was, you know, essentially they they brought in franchisees and managers to to learn efficient ways to to run mm-hmm. the business. Um, one thing that actually, if he's not full of shit, um, I do kind of respect is that he's like numerous times in the book he talks about like. Uh, you know, like we couldn't micromanage every single franchise. We had yeah. to like trust that they could do their shit on their own, and like mm-hmm. we couldn't buy the shit for them and sell it to them. We, like right. we, we we had to train them and give them everything that they needed, and then like right. trust that they wouldn't fuck it up. Um, but here was his innovation. This guy Fred Turner, um came up with the idea for Hamburger University. But it wasn't good enough until Ray Kroc put his his genius spin on it. Um, Fred Turner wanted it to be um, in the basement, or in half of the basement of their Elk Grove Village store. Mm, half of the and basement? Ray, That's no place for a university. And Ray Kroc said, nah, use the full basement. Wow. Yeah, and that's why it was a success. I mean, what the fuck else were they using the basement for? Storing frozen bags Storing of French potatoes. fries? Yeah. yeah. Well, nope, they were still fresh potatoes at oh, this point, okay, Tom. Yeah. That's a big thing. Um, that's just because like freezer technology hadn't come along yet. <laughs> yeah, Khrushchev, the, the Russians, the Ruskies. Um, okay, so then Joni uh, was like, ah, no, I'm not going to divorce my husband we should have talked about this and he's mm-hmm. like all right fuck it i'm moving to california <laughs> get nice. out of here so he moves to california and uh he spends a lot of time complaining about how much more competitive and hard it is to uh run a business in california um and do you remember harry sonnenborn from earlier in the book you probably don't No. he was the president and ceo of mcdonald's Okay. So really tight with Ray Kroc. Like right, they're, they're yeah. with, and this is the point in the book where Ray Kroc mm-hmm. moves to L.A., becomes an L.A. guy, um, but suddenly Harry turns into the dick here in, in, this, <laughs> in this scenario. He's like, I don't know what happened to Harry when I had my crisis when I divorced my wife and then the young woman that I was trying to get to divorce her husband rebuffed my advances and I moved to California and started living a crazy lifestyle. I don't know what Harry was thinking at this point. <laughs> and but he also really changed. T- took on a tremendous amount of debt. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
as time passed, he became increasingly bullheaded and willful. And we became, uh, we started clashing on all the issues. Um, essentially, he, he kind of turned into an asshole. Um, even more of an asshole. Like, if he hadn't started McDonald's at, or hadn't, hadn't gotten involved with McDonald's at 52, I would say this is like his midlife crisis, but he is far past <laughs> midlife. <laughs> I was, it's always a weird, I don't know, that's like the, uh, the problem with, uh, with a lot of companies that's like the people that found the companies are not good at running the companies, but then they also can't not try to run the companies. So then you're going to wind up, I mean, this just reminds me of like, uh, Apple after Steve Jobs. Or it's like, oh yeah, we'll get somebody more experienced to run this place. But then also the the co-founders always gonna be around second guessing every decision the more experienced person makes. Yeah. I mean look. I think the founders should just run it and then when the when they go bust, they go bust. Yeah. And a new company will come up. I just know, like the the company that I used to work for, we had our our founding CEO leave, and then we had like a a much older guy take over, and like you know this guy had so much more experience, but at the same time it was like, but this isn't a company that requires experience. Like nobody's done what this company's doing before, so your other experience really isn't relevant. But also, like I don't know you were getting paid on time now because you actually know how to run a business. So it's like you're doing a worse job, but also a better job. And this was uh, the company you work for that developed and manufactured plastic guns that you could sneak through metal detectors? The nice thing about plastic guns, Tim, is you don't need to run a company to do it. You can do it from home. God, why am I saying these? Why am I saying these things as jokes that are just going to get me potentially in trouble? Tom, I'm we're behind a paywall. It's fine. Um, <laughs> the FBI can't get behind a paywall. Yeah, it's too much red tape. Yeah. Hey, boss. Well, I got to send it up. Uh, send it up to corporate, not corporate, but I guess uh, up to the executive branch to see if they'll. <laughs> Um, all right. So I'm going to skip a lot of boring stuff. Um, there's this lady, June Martino, who is, is, uh, we talked about her at length. She's the one who never got to see her family. Um, right. But her husband, Louis Martino, um, they hired him to start the R and D lab mm-hmm. in 1961. Oh, nice. And he saw the need for more sophisticated mechanical equipment and electronic aids to speed up our food assembly line and make our products more uniform. Okay, so the first project, Mm -hmm. uh, the development of a computer to time the blanching of French fries. Wow. So they had a recipe that called for pulling the potatoes out of the oil when they got a certain color and grease bubbles formed a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, But each kid working the fry vats would have his own interpretation of, you know, what that... Knuckleheads. And... Ray Kroc was like, somehow it worked. Like, we trained these kids well enough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Lewis came up with a computer um, that uh, took the guesswork out of it. 
it modified the frying time to suit the balance of water to solids in any given batch of potatoes. That's pretty sophisticated for 1961, right? Yeah, I would like to know more about that. Because, <laughs> I mean, that certainly couldn't have been doing it, like, automatically, right? Eh, no, maybe it right, was. Maybe know, somebody now, hit a button when they started blanching them, and then they were like, oh, I'm done blanching, hit another button. And then a computer was like, oh, okay, that was 16 minutes of blanching, so that means, you know, five minutes of frying. Right. I don't know. He also engineered a dispenser that uh, squirted exactly the right amount of ketchup and mustard onto the pre-measured hamburger patties. I thought you were going to say he invented a dispenser that squirted uh, water out of a flower (laughs) that you could put on your lapel. I mean, well, we've all that's that's a Ronald. uh, That's true. Innovation. That's he's not that kind of clown, though. I know, right? He's yeah, the he's a weird clown. clown. Um, but we've all seen those uh, those ketchup guns that they have. Those are great. They put like yeah. three perfect blobs of ketchup in a triangle. Yeah. You have Louis Martino to thank for that. Yeah, I mean that's not. I a think computer. it was an innovation even to just like think about it that way. Like, yeah, not I'm sure to the just dispenser trust. has changed, but it's just like yeah, yeah. Put a square to catch up on. I there. mean, I doubt it's changed that much. Like, it's not very complicated. Yeah. Um, Tom, this next invention, mm-hmm. let me tell you, it's capitalized. The, okay. The, I think this might be trademark. Uh, the fatalizer. Oof. Tom, they insisted at the time mm-hmm. that uh, the beef that they made the hamburger patties uh, could have no more than 19% fat. Okay. And they couldn't enforce it really because like the the stores would get the delivery and once in a while they would like send out a batch to the lab Mm. just to make sure that like, oh, the supplier's not screwing them. Um, The fatalizer was a simple but precise testing device that an operator could use to analyze the meat right in the store. Mm. So if something was above 19% fat, send it back. Mm. Um, And then eventually the supplier knows, like, we can't can't be screwing these guys over. They they know how much fat's in the beef that we're getting. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good uh, invention to have. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that also is like, yeah, we, you know, I'm sure their contract stipulated that. And it was like, oh, okay, we came up with a way to check yeah. that they're abiding by their contract. We yeah. don't just have it's to trust a them. fatalizer, Tom. That's yeah. what they call me in high school. It's probably just like a, uh, they probably just take like a, a glob of meat and put it in water and see like uh, how buoyant it is. That's how I Maybe. would do it. Um, he bought a home in Woodland Hills, Tom. You mm-hmm. and I uh, uh, stayed at an Oakwood in Woodland Hills. Yeah, so it's our old stomping grounds. Our old stomping grounds. I mean, I was there for two months and you were there for a week, but yeah, it's old stomping grounds. Um one thing I liked about the house was that it perched on a hill looking down on a McDonald's store on the main thoroughfare. I could pick up a pair of binoculars and watch business in that store from my living room window. What a fun way to live. <laughs> yeah. And now um, this is a guy who says he wasn't micromanaging <laughs> McDonald's. 
<laughs> he just moved up on a hill where he could watch one all day. Yep. He's like, the manager did not like me. He's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Well, so along those lines, uh, when I worked for Apple Retail, I I met a few people that worked in the Palo Alto store, which was where Steve Jobs lived. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He lived like not very far, like maybe a mile away or something. So that was the store he always popped in at. And yeah, of course, like, you know, everybody there was just like had anxiety issues. Cause it was yeah, like, I mean, you're working a fucking retail job yeah. and then some billionaire walks in to give you a yeah, fucking hard at, time. At any time, some, yeah. some billionaire that also like back in that time, it was like you were working for Apple because you genuinely loved their products, yeah. which were at that time, you know, really just computers. Um, which you were probably using for like some passion of yours, <laughs> some artistic passion. And yeah, this billionaire would come in and reprimand you about something that was like, often it was like a Cali- a California law. <laughs> like they, they had a, you know, all the stores had a thing at the, by the cash register that had like uh, what credit cards were accepted and like what the, the legal ramifications of that were. And he went in there once and, like, was screaming about, like, how, you know, uh, how it looked, like, low class to have that. And they were like, but we didn't, hey, we didn't decide to have that. you think this was my idea? (laughs) Yeah. This is somebody else's idea who makes a lot more money than me. And also, it wasn't even, they didn't come up with this on their own. We're required by law to have this. So they had to put it away and then just constantly pay the fines that were implemented by like the county or state for not having it out. Good man. (laughs) Uh, Tom uh, Ray Kroc uh, fell very hard for a lady named Jane Dobbins Green, Mm. who is John Wayne's secretary. Wow. Um, She was a lovely, a sort of diminutive uh, Doris Day why did John com- Wayne have a secretary? He was a cowboy. And she was completely opposite to Joni in manner. Mm. Joni is a strong person who knows her own mind. Jane was compliant. If this guy was clear <laughs> Jane and I said was it looked- weak. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they got married. Mm. Um or I don't know, they lived together. I don't think I don't imagine a man like him at that time lived in sin. Although yeah, I there's could, no religion anywhere in this book. Yeah, I could also see him being like, eh, I'm in California. Like, I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He, did he say he got married? He was probably also like bitter about his other marriage. Oh, no, he was married. He was married oh, within okay. two weeks. Yeah, he, within- that guy, a guy like him, he'd get married. Yeah, of course. Uh, they sold the place in Woodland Hills and moved to a big house in Beverly Hills. Like nice. this is this is where he's going. Um, uh, less is more for but, uh, Oh, the idea of using fr- frozen French fries started to to you know get in his head. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, shipping costs would be lower. Um, mm, yeah, you know, quality control would be better. 
Yeah. Um, there were diehards in the organization that thought the only good French fry was made from a fresh potato, and he blames Hamburger University for that because he's like, that's what we taught everybody at Hamburger University. Yeah, we, we radicalized all these people. Yeah, and now we have to deprogram them. Um, so whatever. they, He takes credit for that. Whatever, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, the filet of fish was introduced uh, by this guy, uh, Louis, Louis Groen, in Cincinnati because uh, the Catholics weren't eating uh, the hamburgers on Friday because yeah. of Lent. I mean, they still do during Lent, like two fish filet of fishes for four for four dollars. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Uh, filet of fish isn't bad. Ray Kroc, uh, first time you heard about the filet of fish, he said, hell no, I don't care if the Pope himself comes to Cincinnati, he can eat hamburgers like everybody else. <laughs> I mean, That's Tim... pretty cool. That's <laughs> cool as hell. I mean, who amongst us hasn't said that about the Pope? Yeah. Um, so he's like, all right, cool, you can do it. And they were like, oh, we want to use cod and... Uh, uh, Ray Kroc was like, no, the cod, uh, I remember cod liver oil yeah. from when I was a kid, and it was gross. Use goldfish. Uh, we investigated and found out it was perfectly legal to merchandise cod as North Atlantic whitefish. So, mm. like, it's like, yep, it was technically legal, so we lied to them. Um, uh, and then he was the one who said... Uh, this is exactly what the sandwich needs, a slice of cheese. No, make it half a slice. Hmm. Um, it is weird that the filet of fish has cheese on it because you don't find fish and cheese, fish and cheese is, anywhere is a, else. Such in, a no-no. <laughs> but I, I don't know it works on the filet of fish. And also yeah. I think it's funny that like, Nowadays, you would never advertise, oh, our filet is made out of whitefish. You would say, oh, it's cod. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just how things change. Um, he does admit that he was wrong about the hula burger, which is two oh, slices of cheese with a slice of grilled pineapple on a toasted yeah. bun, which actually, I would eat the shit out of that. I would go to McDonald's for a grilled cheese sandwich with pineapple. Oh, I'd definitely be interested in trying it for sure, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like it would be like that's a suitable uh, substitute for a beef patty just because like, you know, two slices of pineapple, that's mostly water. <laughs> but no, One slice of pineapple, two slices of cheese. Oh, okay. Well, and I The pineapple's grilled, my friend. Look, I would still love to try it. It still sounds delicious, but I don't. I don't see that being. I don't see that being a product you could sell for the same price as a hamburger. Tom, one customer said, "I like the hula, but where's the burger?" Mmm. I like hula dancers. Um. Then Art Trigg died. Um. His bosom buddy. Mm. Um. And then he mentions this in, in passing. When I went to the office one Sunday, he was reminiscing about what a good friend Art Trigg was. Mm -hmm. When I went to the office one Sunday and accidentally caught my hand in my car door, lop lopping off the end of one finger, <laughs> Art was the one I called Jesus to take me to the hospital. Christ. <laughs> that would be the uh. centerpiece of my, <laughs> of my autobiography. <laughs> he just mentions it in passing. Yeah. 
I mean, people take for granted how much safer things are nowadays. <laughs> but I feel like that kind of shit used to happen all the time. <laughs> You'd lose a finger in a car door or like opening a can of mackerel. <laughs> You're just like, well, that's just the risk of modern living. <laughs> Um, he claims that a lot of people uh, tell him he should run for president, yeah. uh, but he says he can't because uh, he always uh, tells the truth and says exactly what he thinks. <sighs> Politicians can't do that. Um, and then uh, he, he kind of out of nowhere just says, I was content with Jane, his wife. Uh, she was a fine lady, but it was Joni I loved, and I knew I always would. Wow! I'm starting to think if he doesn't, if he doesn't wind up with Joni at the end of this, this is a psychotic book. <laughs> yeah, what a psychotic man. Imagine he was just still married to Jane and writing this book. Like Jane was fine, but I really, really <laughs> loved Joni. Yeah, you would know at least say he didn't. Uh, you know, have Jane do a uh, a pass on the book like hey what do you think of this <laughs> it says here you don't actually love me do you love this other lady no nah, well um, that's uh you know you gotta spice it up uh they go public and it's a whole thing they all get horribly rich and yeah. um they invested in the macy's thanksgiving day parade um, they hired the world's biggest drum and had it shipped from <laughs> wow. Texas. Yeah. Um, and he buries the lead there. The same day that they had the world's biggest drum in mm. the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade was the introduction of, quote, our clown, Ronald McDonald. <sighs> Who gives a shit about the world's biggest drum? It's probably nowhere even near the world's biggest drum anymore, but McDonald, Ronald McDonald's still around. Still the clown. Still their clown. It sounds like he's um, really got a, a a real problem with Ronald. Yeah, and that's the only mention of Ronald so far. That's insane, then, because honestly, obviously they did not introduce the character with a Macy's Day Parade float, right? No, they did. Nobody had ever seen this character before. Nope. Wow. Well, that's making a splash. Ronald McDonald, who made his national television debut in the parade. You sure that's not just referring to the float or the balloon? You know, it's not the balloon. This was, they didn't have a balloon at this point. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I see. It was like on a float. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this was, I mean, this was back when they had like maybe a Felix the Cat balloon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I was thinking like debuting the character with a balloon, that's like people would just be, who's that? Clown, yeah. Who's that like kind of shitty clown? (laughs) Does he even do any tricks? Does he have a squirting flower? What? They also uh, sponsored the first Super Bowl telecast. Wow. Um,. Tom, guess what? It's 1966 at this point. They still don't have any stores with indoor seating. And people are like, I'm getting sick of eating in my car. So yeah. they started to experiment with larger buildings. With there there are a bunch seating. of hippies in the parking lot smoking grass. I need to get away from them. It's the late 60s, mid 60s. Um, 
then Luigi, the Salvanishi, comes mm-hmm. back and he's the like, architect. "Oh, I want to, I want to, I want to uh, uh, design these wonderful buildings with slant roof buildings." Yeah. And so, um, and he's like, "Oh, cool, awesome," uh, but then Harry Sonnenborn. Mm. Oh, that son of a bitch, president and CEO or whatever. Yeah. He knew that it would be a big battle to get these these new buildings built. Mm. I could he smell knew it be coming. A big battle because Harry wouldn't want them. They'd be too expensive. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. Harry was fighting them on everything. I could smell it coming, the big battle, and I wanted to be ready for it on every front when it happened. Mm-hmm. And next week we'll have the the showdown between Ray and Harry. I'm sure Harry was a, a, a uniquely awful guy as well. <laughs> well, I was gonna say that you know again reminds me of Steve Jobs and Apple of just like getting a new CEO and that CEO like trying to run a business, but then the founder being like, no. I want to spend like an absurd amount of money on this particular thing. That, My friend Luigi is yeah. a genius. He's a visionary. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I was, it, it just reminded me of like when I was at Apple, we, the, the company owned an Italian quarry. That's what made me think of this with Italy. So that all the marble use, or not even marble, like granite would match in all the stores. Mm-hmm. And like when I was in Cupertino, I like went outside for a break one day and there were just all these like granite slabs up on like stands in the parking lot. And I was like, what are those? And they're like, ah, like we're not supposed to know, but um, those are like the new granite they're going to use. And they're like considering like a dozen different types. So they're out there angled so that Steve can come here at different times of the day and see what they look like under different daylight. <laughs> so he can pick like which one. And like all these were beautiful pieces of granite. Uh, and like, sure. obvi- and obviously, you know, whatever price was going to be paid for these would not be reasonable. Uh, but you know, it, it was his decision and it just sounds like this is along those same lines of, and, and the thing is honestly, some things you can't put a price tag on, but, but I also think that there are people like this that, especially once they're under a CEO and it's like, Oh, you're my dad. Now it's like, no, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go yeah. to the ground for this be, just to prove a point. Yeah. And like the stuff that you can't put a price on really become a lot more numerous when you have a lot more resources yeah. when you're fabulously rich you're just like and i'm and i'm gonna on this and i'm, I'm gonna say whatever. that like the company is staked on whether or not we use this particular shade of paint this is the yeah. most important decision we could possibly make well tom corporate america um, it's a great place to be especially you're on the bottom because then there's nowhere else to go but up the ladder of success thank you for being patrons we love you very much sound off in the comments uh would you eat a 
Kula Burger. Yeah, uh, and also thanks for all your questions for the upcoming uh, TNT Q and A. Oh yeah, the, some good uh, questions like, in there. We'll be addressing in uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah, and some people were like, "Oh, you probably recorded this already." Nope. Um, no, keep sounding off. Keep sounding off in those comments. As but well. keep Don't in mind, them in this, keep them all in that other three. Yeah, because we're not gonna, we're not gonna. And keep in mind, yeah, now you're late to the game, so you better bring your A game. And remember, saying mean things to strangers. <laughs> you already said this in the comments, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or in in the original post. I think I think that was a nice reminder that it's like, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna yeah, clown hey, on people, we're we're gonna read these, so yeah. don't you don't have to be mean to get our attention. <laughs> you don't have to be nice. You don't have to like you know uh, pay us compliments or whatever, but. Yeah, to be mean, we're gonna read it either way. I mean, we're not gonna read in the episode, but but we're we gonna read to, it with our eyes. Are we able to block patrons? <laughs> I think you can delete a patron, maybe. Okay. Uh, but I don't There's, think you, I don't think you can charge a person while also not allowing them to participate. There's one that I want to try to keep charging, but uh, revoke their right, well, privileges. T- t- oh. like, I don't think they should be able to listen Every, to the shows. Everyone, everyone's on war. Everybody's sitting there thinking, is it me he's talking about? <laughs> There's probably not a way to keep charging and <laughs> no, Nor would I think that that's fair, honestly. <laughs> I think if there's somebody you really have a problem with, Tim, you should message them and say, hey, cut the shit or else, you know, uh, or, you know, a bar can't keep serving somebody drinks while also throwing them out. Right. But but they can, they but can keep the credit card. Behind I was going to say they could keep the, the card, throw them out and then charge a bunch of drinks they didn't order to it. Right. So maybe there's a question for Patreon. <laughs> Can, we just need. Can I we just charge a bunch of money to somebody's credit card before throwing them off? I've been trying to make the argument to Patreon, like you have these credit card numbers, give them to us. You wouldn't have. Yeah, them we'll us. we'll be better stewards of them than anyone. Yeah, but it really, we wouldn't. Should <laughs> I cut all this out? <laughs> Do you think this is making people <laughs> nervous? People. I don't think it's really happened with this. I forget what it was, but there there was something in the past where people were like, like uh, I, people like assumed we had access to something that that we didn't have access to, and I was like, oh no, we don't like have access to that kind of information. I forget what it was. Maybe it was like listener data or something where it's like, even oh no, we, we don't access, have any. Even if we had access to any information. We are far too lazy to use it or <laughs> right. look for it. <laughs> yeah. We're You're way lucky more. We, we t- 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 get these things recorded every <laughs> week. Yeah. So, look, at the end of the day, you can trust us with your credit card numbers if you want to send them to yeah. us. Sound off in the comments with your credit card numbers. <laughs> We're going to get thrown off Patreon. We're going to be the ones thrown off Patreon. Do not, even as a joke, do that, please. No, we we like, will maybe... get in trouble. Someone you don't what we won't get No, in not somebody you don't like. Don't <laughs> encourage somebody to commit a crime in your name. Don't do any of that. Tell us if you want to eat a, a stupid grilled cheese with a pineapple on it or That's comment stupid. Ray Kroc ate them at home till his his dying day. 
or, or comment on the other thread about your questions. And thank you for being a patron, despite all of this, all of the trouble. It's not often that you get exasperated. <sighs> yeah. Well, look, Tim, I'm the Ray Kroc of this, and you're the 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 uh, Dick McDonald. All right, I'd rather be the guy that came up with a smart thing. Well, the I'd guy rather... that just exploited that man. <sighs> we'll see you next week. Sing something else. <laughs>